History Under Pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. I've been doing this a lot lately. I keep forgetting my headphones. Hold on, I can't hear you. Okay, here we go. All right. All right. It is Friday here in Houston, Texas. Presumably, I guess it's Friday. uh, Wherever you are, I guess it's Friday as well. Although not, you know, I mean, it's Friday for you while you listen. No, it's Friday for you while I am saying this. but while you're listening to it, uh, who knows? Could be any day. Um, but but right now, but right now at this moment, I guess it's Friday for everybody. Well, I mean, unless you're in, I, I guess in New Zealand. Let's see what time is it right now? Two o'clock in the afternoon. So if you're in New Zealand, um, I guess I guess it's already Saturday for you. Or if you're in Tonga, for sur- for sure. Yeah, it's definitely Saturday. If you're hanging out at the at the International Dateline Hotel in Tonga, then it is Saturday for you. So so uh, happy Saturday. Uh, but none of you are going to hear this until Tuesday at the earliest, so I don't know why I'm going on about this part. Uh, however, however, I do have some interesting things to say today. Um, first, I have to get my chair adjusted. It seems like I should do this preparation part before I turn the microphone on, but what fun would that be? Now, uh, the first thing i got to do is, uh, um, well, it, it has come to my attention that um, some of my friends over at Technique FMC, who I know listen to the show uh, at least um, – somewhat regularly. Uh, so hopefully you're listening to this one because I understand that, um, that you're a little bit up, upset with me because I, it's been a while. I have not used an Isaac Asimov quote for quite a while. And, um, <laughs> which I didn't realize that that was, that there was so much attention being paid to that, but, uh, but it's true. I have not. And so I'm going to, uh, so this is for the for the folks over at Technip FMC, uh, who, of course, we, we love those guys. They, they do a lot of stuff with OGGN, and, uh, um, and, and apparently they like Isaac Asimov. Now, so I have one for you today, um, but, but first I, I have to say, so this is kind of ironic because I have used Asimov quotes before, um, really just because uh, I, I'm not a huge fan. I, I, I do think he, he was very intelligent, and I like his quotes sometimes because I think he, um, um, he, he, had a, he made some very interesting observations. He was obviously a very smart guy, and he, his, his observations are very clever sometimes. And, of course, he has a way with words because he's a writer. And so, so I do like – I like some of his little, uh, his little quips, but I should say that um, – I don't know, I just feel like it's worth noting that if 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 Isaac were here today, um, uh, and uh, you know, I mean, here here, like uh, then, uh, I, he, we, he and I probably would disagree on a lot of things. Um, now, I'd, I would like to think that I could hold my own in, in that debate, but <laughs> I'm probably I'm probably not right about that. But but I do think that I, we would disagree. Um, although I have a, a lot of respect 
for for what he says and what he thinks. But I think that um, I think that we would, and, and in fact, he would, if he were standing side by side with a lot of great thinkers uh, throughout history, uh, they would disagree, as is the case with great thinkers. They don't agree on everything. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. But I do have I do have an, an Asimov quote for today. And it is particularly relevant to what I want to talk about. By the way, I might as well just tell you now, this is, I don't have a guest for this one. This is, this is the one where you just get to hear whatever's on my mind. And, um, um, and if you're a person who doesn't like that, I apologize because I, I keep hearing from people, <laughs> from people who do like that. And so, so occasionally I try to throw one of these in, but, uh, if you're the person who says, I really only listen to the show for the guests, then you can punch out right now and I can save you the time. But I do have a couple of interesting things. I have some interesting things to, to comment on. So, um, so here's the Asimov quote. Uh, and this is, this one is short, but sweet. And to be honest, I'm not even sure which of his works it comes from, or maybe it's just maybe it's just a maybe it's just one of his uh, offhand remarks. But he said, presumably, he said, "Nothing has to be true, but everything has to sound true. Nothing has to be true. Nothing has to be true, but everything has to sound true." So I'm, I'm just gonna let that sink in for a minute. Think about think about that. Everything that's going on in the world today, and holy cow, was he right? So. Um, <laughs> everything has to sound true. And we got a whole bunch of things now. Um, and I don't even want to get into, into all the different nooks and crannies that this could apply to. But when you think about it, the oil and gas industry and, and you think about the, um, the advocates for the oil and gas uh, business and the uh, antagonists, um, the, uh, the protagonists and the antagonists, um, there's a lot of stuff that is... Um, sounds true. And so everybody thinks that it is true because it sounds true. Um, and I want to get, I want to talk about one of those things today. Let's see, what do I have here? Oh, wait, first, first, before I go too much further, I got to say thank you to today's sponsor, which is, uh, today's sponsor for, uh, oil and gas tech. But by the way, welcome to the oil and gas tech podcast. I mean, you know that already. You heard it all at the beginning when, uh, um, in the intro and, uh, what is her name? Her name is escaping me. Uh, it'll come to me later. Anyway, she does a fantastic job with introducing the show. And today is sponsored by, um, uh, by my new friends at mCloud, mCloud Technologies. Uh, now, mCloud is not a new company. They're a little bit new to, to me, and they're a little bit new to the oil and gas business because they've been in some other industries, and they do a lot of great stuff with, with connected worker and automation, and, and uh, they have some great cloud-based uh, things. But the, the really interesting thing for oil and gas right now is they just launched this product called uh, – it, well, it's, it's Assetware. I think it's Assetware Mobile. No, not as it were. <laughs> Sorry, Barry and uh, Vince and the Vincent and those guys over there. I, I apologize. It's Asset Care, Asset Care Mobile, which is a really cool connected worker solution. We had them here in Houston a couple of weeks ago, and they were. Um, we had a party. Uh, you probably heard me talk about this, and everybody was putting on the headgear and and looking at stuff and saying stuff and looking at the dashboard. Um, it's a great solution. It's all cloud based. It's a it's as a service type of thing. Um, it's got a really, really friendly price right out of the box, and you can put it on. And you can start using it. Um, I wouldn't. I would wait till you get home. Don't put it on while you're still. <laughs> if you if you go down to the mobile cloud store and you pick one of these up, don't put it on until you get home. Don't don't wear it while you're driving. But but uh, they but they came to Houston and and they showed uh, they showed off this uh, solution to a whole bunch of people and people really like it. So uh, to have a look at uh, at m what is their website mcloud mcloud technologies dot com right hold on let me get that let me make sure i get it right uh because oh no m m cloud corp 
Corp mcloudcorp.com and if you just google uh you know mcloud asset care then uh, you will undoubtedly find it and it's some cool stuff and uh um and anyway they're a new friend of oggn and uh, we've been having having a good time working with them um also, last week, if you were listening last week, I, I had I had Vincent Higgins, uh, who's really a longtime Houston oil and gas guy. That's part of their team now, and we did a we did a uh, tech show episode out at the Connect a Worker conference. It was a good one. If you missed it, go back and if you've got anything to do with that, with people out trying to help people out in the field with like better technology, then this is uh, this is what you got to listen to. All right, where was where was I? Oh, um, everything has to sound true and. Boy, howdy, is that happening right now? Oh, but first, but first, before I get into that, uh, I do remember remember a few episodes back. I kind of went on this little thing about the how the ethanol in in my humble uh, uh, it's not opinion in my humble perspective, uh, my viewpoint. I thought, well, having these gas stations, you know, all 17 gas stations or whatever it is in the United States that can sell 15% ethanol, it's not really going to help our prices. And I explained why, but then, but I, but I kind of wrapped that in, in, uh, in a disclaimer that said, look, I'm, I'm not an economist and it's not, I mean, I, I, I'm around the industry a lot, but you know, there's people who know stuff better than me. So I don't know, maybe it's going to work. Well, here is just, I, I, I saw this just a, a day or two ago in the wall street journal, which, by the way, I am I am a fan of the Wall Street Journal. So, um, if any Wall Street Journal people are out there listening to this and you want to be on the show, uh, by all means, by all means, you can come on. Um, uh, this is in the opinion column, so you know it is opinion. Nonetheless, uh, it got printed in the Wall Street Journal, so it's got to be a more qualified opinion than mine. And the headline says, "EPA ethanol waiver won't help gas prices." So, I was right. I was right. Uh, let's see. What do they? Um, what do they say here? Um, uh, oh, and, and the first, the first reason. Be, so the the subhead is drivers using E15. That's the 15 percent ethanol. Uh, we'll see a reduction in the miles per gallon they get from a fill-up. So this is even, so my reasoning was it, just because you make something with cheaper materials doesn't necessarily, like you still have the supply and demand problem. But this is, this is a whole different angle that I didn't think of, which is, uh, yeah, it, the, the energy density when you add the ethanol is, is less than, than the pure gasoline. And so the more ethanol uh, you, uh, let's see, how do they explain it here? They say um, the energy content of the added ethanol is significantly less by volume, okay, so the density, uh, than the gasoline it replaces. Thus, drivers will see a reduction in the miles per gallon they get from a fill-up. So, uh, so remember supply and demand. Uh, so you use this stuff, and it's cheaper, but you have to use more of it. Uh, and they say, as proof, compare your summer and winter mileage. Now, I don't know about you folks, but I don't have the time to sit there and try to figure out my summer mileage and my winter mileage. But if you're the kind of person who likes to do that, then um, then do it. And uh, of course, you're gonna have to wait till next winter because this winter's over. But uh, if you, I would love, but but do it and uh, call into the show. I know we don't take call-ins, but do something. I don't know. Send me an email. I would love to hear how that turned out. And uh, did you in fact uh, use? Did, did you see a reduction in the miles per gallon, which would mean that you we would ultimately use more fuel, assuming that you drive a comparable number of miles? Anyway, it's in the Wall Street Journal, so. It it must be true. Now, moving along, but but I I do want to say that I was I wasn't on the wrong track with that. Uh, okay, Asimov, everything has to sound true, and I have this article. No, that is not it. Uh, where is it? 
where is it? Oh, I don't, I don't have the article. Where is it? It was, uh, ah, here we go. No, that's not it. So this is about this uh, Chevron Houston public media <laughs> debacle. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's, that's probably, that's, it's probably too much to call it a debacle. But um, where did, where did I, oh, here, is that it? No, I got it somewhere. Here it is. Ah, here we go. Houston. All right. So those, so those of you who aren't from Houston, uh, you can probably guess what Houston public media is. It's a, you know, it's the local, uh, you know, public media outlet in Houston. So they, they do, you know, all, all kinds of media these days. Anyway, um, uh, they're a multimedia organization. And uh, that's what it says right here. The multimedia organization, Houston public media. Here's the headline deletes video created, quote, in partnership with Chevron after facing backlash and accusations of bias. Um, so they deleted, a, so they created a video in, quote, in partnership, bunny ears, in partnership with Chevron, uh, but then they deleted it after some sort of backlash and accusations of bias. Uh, the subheading says, uh, so the, mult the multimedia organization, Houston Public Media, otherwise known as HPM, by the way, uh, removed removed all trace of the joint venture. Oh, so it's actually, so they're calling it a joint venture. Now, those of you who, are, who work in the commercial world, especially... Um, well, anywhere you know that a partnership and a joint a joint venture is like a next level thing. I mean, that's an actual legal. Um, uh, you create a legal entity when you do when you do a JV, and so I, I I suspect that they're using this word incorrectly. But this is this this article is in the Houston Chronicle, which is just our you know local newspaper, so they probably don't know about these things. But um, not I'm not <laughs> I'm definitely more of a Wall Street Journal fan than I am a Chronicle. I'm sorry I'm sorry for those of you at the Chronicle, but. Uh, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, so they removed all trace of the joint venture, which probably isn't a joint venture, but anyway, they removed it uh, from its site, its site, public Houston Public Media and YouTube page and YouTube page Friday. I guess this was last Friday. Oh no, uh, sorry, this this was actually back in April. I'm sorry, but I just recently found this. So, anyway, the timeliness is not the point. And acknowledging. Uh, so they've removed it, blah, 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 for YouTube. Acknowledging that the project, open quote, created confusion, closed quote. Oh, look at that. It's the wrong kind of quote at the end. All right, well, it's hard to find good help these days. Uh, created confusion for its community. So they removed this thing, all trace of the joint venture. That wasn't a joint venture, probably, uh, because it created confusion for the community. Now, um, let's see what exactly. So there was a video. They did this video together and, um, eh, there's a lot of drama in here. Spent weeks backing away, backpedaling. Uh, it says, it says a joint, they have a joint venture and, oh, so there is a joint venture and accompanying video series. Okay. There may be a JV in place there. I thought it was just a joint venture to make the video, which seems silly. So a JV uh, accompanying video series, uh, envisioning the future of energy made in partnership with Chevron. Um, way to go, Chevron! By the way, yeah, thanks. That's that's a that's a good thing to that's a that's good. That's good. I'm glad you're out there doing that. Um, the multimedia organization acknowledged in a statement Friday that the project. Oh yeah, we read that already. The controversy started 
Tuesday, whatever Tuesday it was, it was on a Tuesday, after HPM posted a video to its site, blah, 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 featuring energy sector professionals, that's us folks, speaking largely, now here we go, <laughs> here we go, energy sector professionals speaking largely in vague platitudes about the importance of innovation amid the energy transition which is also in quotes, energy transition. So I guess it's not a real thing because it's in quotes. Um, so here we are, energy sector professionals doing what we always do, which is we speak in vague platitudes. This is fantastic. All right, you all know what I think about that already. But sometimes we don't help ourselves because sometimes we do kind of do that. Sometimes we're so, we want to say the right thing and we want to, we're not always good at being specific. And we all know this because we work with each other and we know that sometimes we're not good at being specific. So, uh, so I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a little bit of truth in that, but, um, uh, the landing page for the video, which was meant to be the first in a, a, of 10, a series of 10 named counteract counteract noted that it was developed alongside Chevron, but did not explain what role Chevron played, blah, blah, blah. The video contained no actual criticism of the energy industry. <laughs> Why should it? Why should it? Could... <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, you guys over at Chevron, next time you make a video, will you please include some criticism of the energy industry? Um, uh, and it quickly gained notice from journalists, no doubt. Uh, now, here's the part I want to get to. So some guy, uh, the climate editor at something called Protocol, I don't know, never heard of that, um, on Wednesday. So I guess it was, I don't know what Wednesday this was, but it was, a, it was on a Wednesday. He called the video absolutely bonkers. And he wrote, and this is what he said. This is just straight up repeating industry talking points and a huge conflict of interest. Hmm. Okay. So, um, I don't even know what to say about that. That's, that's, that's almost a vacant statement. I, he's not even a conflict of interest with, with whom and among, I think, okay. Uh, this is the point. This is what, this is the point that I want to make. Um, what is the point? What? Oh, so Asimov, everything, uh, Nothing has to be true, but everything has to sound true. So, so you, so if you read through this and and other articles um, of this nature, um, they say things that sound true. This is just standard, straight up repeating industry talking points. Well, that's not like so. It, that's not implicitly bad. What if the industry talking points are good ones? I mean we all rely on talking points so that we can make sure that we say what we're supposed to say. But his implication is that it's a talking point and nothing more. Uh, and that in fact, uh, it's just a talking point and nobody is standing behind that talking point actually doing anything. It sounds true, but is it true? No, of course it's not true. We all know that. And we know that the industry, uh, the people in the industry are doing things. Um, and we know that we're, that there's certain people that we're never going to make happy, but nonetheless, we still keep doing the right thing, which is what we ought to do. So, uh, this is just straight up repeating industry talking points and a huge conflict of interest. This is a call. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a conflict of interest here. Now, I don't, I don't even know, like, I, I don't even know conflict of interest between, uh, so, in the in the JV between the media company and Chevron or between Chevron and the the world at large I don't understand where they but anyway it sounds true this is a straight up repeating industry talking a huge conflict of interest so it's so it sounds true and therefore uh, it meets it meets Asimov's uh, requirements 
that, uh, that is, that is what's required. Um, uh, let's see. And some other, some other guy who's also a climate reporter for some other news outlet I never heard of. He did note that the video purportedly about cleaner energy did not show anyone from a company focused on producing cleaner energy and that the resources tab on the landing page contained only links to Chevron's website. <laughs> These are reporters. I mean, it must have been a slow news week. That's all I'm going to say, folks. It had to be a slow news week. Because how is this news? How is this news that has anything that, that has any bearing whatsoever on what the oil and gas industry is doing relative to uh, making the world a better place or not doing relative to making the world a better place? I mean, there's a whole, there's so many assumptions baked into this that um, uh, I just I, I, that's it. That, that's I, I, I you, you get what I'm saying, but. So, but I didn't go down this path just to rag on this uh, this one article. Um, and and by the way, uh, I guess I should I should give some credit to who wrote the article it was uh, somebody named Catherine Jose. I guess I mean it's it's J O S E like like Jose, um, but it's a last name. So I don't. I guess I guess it's Jose. I haven't seen that as a last name. Anyway, Catherine. Uh, let's see, Catherine. Who who is Catherine? Um, She's a, oh, here's her bio right here. Uh, editor, writer, uh, New York Observer, Huffington, oh, Huffington Post. Oh, so she's a former HuffPost writer. And uh, now she's writing for the Houston Chronicle, or they just picked up the story. Anyway, uh, I, I'm sure that Catherine is a very accomplished journalist. Um, but I, I don't, see, I don't see anything here. Uh, uh, I don't see that. I don't think she has really a lot of knowledge about the oil and gas industry. And yet... She is covering this tremendously important story about somebody who made a video and, and some people didn't like it because of things that sound true. And, uh, and so the video was deleted. That's it. That's the story. The video is gone. And thank God it is because of all the damage we know that could be caused by those talking points. Uh, so, and, and if I were to enhance Asimov's principle a little bit, everything has to sound true. I would say uh, everything has to sound uh, so what do you say? Nothing has to, nothing has to be true, but everything has to sound true, and nothing has to be significant. It just has to sound significant, because really this whole story is about. Um, I don't know. I don't know the backstory. Houston Public Media and Chevron got together to make a video series. Some people saw it. They thought it wasn't good enough, and there was some backlash, and so they pulled it down. This. Uh, there are so many other things that we can talk about in terms of, uh, and, and, and oh, by the way, and this is offered up as proof that the oil and gas industry, the energy industry, whatever, the oil and gas people are still not doing anything. They're still not doing anything. This is just these are just vague platitudes and talking points. You see, there's nothing's happening. When in fact things are happening, and how about we do some new stories on those? Like for example, um, what about all the innovation that has happened? Um, in in oil and gas, just and, and by the way, I would love if so if, if there's somebody out there, because I'm not really I, I I know this stuff kind of at a high level, but I know that there are some great innovations uh, in oil and gas, particularly technology, because after all, this is the tech show, um, and and by technology, I don't just mean like computer stuff. I mean all the different types of technology. Yeah, but but if you, I, I've been told. Uh, numerous times by industry veterans that if you go back and look at how things were being done in the 1980s, even before the evil fracking came along, um, if you go back 
and look at that. And you look at how we do things today or how we've even done things in the last 10 years, that it's dramatically different and we're safer and cleaner. And, and there's all these things that we do uh, that, uh, that actually um, uh, are, are, are way better for the environment and for um, you know, all, those, all those concerns. Like for example, I think most people, like how about some news stories on what are those teams, those guys that go out, like when it's time to disassemble a, like a section of a, a like a, like a well site or a, or some part of a pipeline or something like that. And they go out and they have to put it all back the way it was, like with all the trees in the right place and all the blades of grass and all of that, right? There's there's whole businesses. Um, I think Strike, I think our friends up there at Strike have got, have got a, an outfit that does that, one of their divisions. So... Uh, let's have a story on that and let's show the before, let's show the before and the during and the after pictures and show how in some cases it's even better after it's even better after than it was before you know, the, the, uh, the terrain and things like that, the way they take care of it. Um, let's have an article on, uh, here's a great one and you can, you can find this. There's a, there's a, there's a chart that shows this. You can find it out. It's, it floats around the internet. Um, uh, not, not any mainstream, uh, sources, but, um, uh, this whole notion that fracking has actually, so the fracking boom, the shale gas boom, especially uh, in the U.S. over the last, whatever it's been, 10, 15 years, uh, has reduced carbon emissions and while growing the economy. But fracking helps reduce carbon emissions. What? How does fracking help reduce carbon? Okay, here's, here's the thing. Um, this modern lifestyle that we all enjoy, especially here in the United States, uh, requires lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of electricity. Um, by the way, and so do those new cars that some people like. But uh, lots of electricity, and one of the uh, one of the main sources of carbon emissions, uh, or a big source of carbon emissions in the United States, with all this electricity that we enjoy so much, is the uh, the electric the the plants, the like the generation, the power generation <laughs> power. <laughs> the power plants, right? Which, by the way, historically were mostly powered. You know, you got to have power to generate the power. Uh, so it came from coal for the most part until we figured out how to get lots and lots and lots of cheap natural gas. And how did we do that, you ask? Well, no, you don't ask because uh, those of you faithful listeners are uh, in the, you're in the club. So you know the answer to this question. But the answer is fracking. Fracking is how we got the natural gas to run all those power plants instead of coal. Uh, so anyway, there, there's a chart. Um, there's a chart that you can find pretty easily, like I said, um, that shows U.S. CO2 emissions. By the way, let's also do an article on how CO2 used to not even be a pollutant, but I'll get people wound up if we start talking about that. Um, However, uh, this chart has been has been has been floating around for a while, and you can see that there is a, a, a steep drop. So, um, uh, CO two emissions from the United States electric power sector. So, if you look at the emissions in billions of metric tons per year, just coming from from the electric power sector in the U.S., um, it, it climbs steadily, uh, it's a pretty steep climb uh, from, you know, the 70s and the 80s up into right around 2005, 2006, it peaks, and, and, and right around 2008, all of a sudden it starts dropping off really fast all the way until today. We have actually reduced carbon emissions from this sector in the United States. We're, I think we're the only country that's done it. And why... Uh, and what, what, what else happened in 2008? What was another significant uh, development? I think right around then was when 
hydraulic fracturing when we figured out how to do it in a commercially viable, uh, you know, sustainable way, um, you know, profitable, profitable. I don't mean, I mean, sustainable in the uh, traditional sense, not the new sense. And, and so 2008, all of a sudden we got this, uh, this, we figured out how to do fracking economically. And we also have a corresponding drop in, uh, in CO2 emissions because we didn't have to burn so much coal to, to supply electricity. Natural gas burns much cleaner and it's observable and measurable. So let's, you know, it, so these are things. So instead of saying, uh, well, there's uh, these uh, talking points that you keep saying and uh, platitudes. We're just you're just full of platitudes. Instead of that, let's talk about the things that the industry actually has done. Not and not just in the last two or three years when ESG became like a thing, but even over and this and going back to what I said before, I would love. So if any of you are out there and you've been around the industry for a while, and you can talk about how well you have seen how we did it back in 1985 compared to now, like I would love to hear those stories, and I think everybody would love to hear those stories, and then. And we could all just keep repeating them. Um, or if you're not the person who can talk about that, but you can point me to some of those stories online that I can dig up because they're kind of hard to find because they're not really, again, they don't really show up. Nobody writes about that. You sort of have to be one of the people in the industry who was there and observed how it used to be and, and you see how it is now uh, because because nobody's making videos about that. Um, we're just making videos about talking points and platitudes. But anyway, that, um, I you know, I, I probably should just wrap up now because I probably could. How much time have I killed so far? Yeah, this is, you, you, this is as much as you want to hear me talk today, especially when I don't have some, especially when there's nobody else to say anything. But that, uh, that is what, that's what was on my mind. Uh, let me see. Is there anything that I missed? I think, I think that was it. So anyway, think about that. Everything has to sound true. And 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 boy, we've gotten we've gotten really good at making things sound true. But you have to question, like, but is that really true? Um, and there's a whole lot of assumptions. Uh, there's a whole lot of things being built on top of assumptions that haven't really been proved out, which is kind of like the first rule of like a good philosophy or science. But nonetheless, we carry on. So uh, I would love to hear from somebody who can say, well, hang on a second, let me tell you about some stuff that the industry has done and why it is so much better now um, than it was before. All right, that's going to wrap it up folks uh thanks again to our sponsor mcloud have a look at what they're doing mcloudcorp.com asset care asset care mobile uh it's cool like you get the little monocle in front of your eye and you can talk to people in other places while you're looking at stuff and and uh you can say things and it puts it up on a dashboard and uh it's cool stuff so uh so check that out also uh thank you to the oggn crew for all the uh, hard work uh, i haven't said this for a while but we are the largest and most listened to network of podcasts for the oil and energy industry. And uh, so thanks to the to the OGGN team uh, for, for getting us there. Most especially my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who always makes us sound fantastic. And remember, I'm going to change it up. No, I can't change it up because it won't, it won't make sense. I was going to change it up to say, you know, anytime you start hearing people saying that we're speaking in, in vague platitudes, but the, but the next part doesn't fit. So just say whatever you want before this part and then wrap it up with We Were Tech Before Tech Was Cool. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.